Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead. I'm your host, Seagal Barnes. As a reminder to all of our listeners, this week is a bunch of fantastic short-form interviews that I had with leaders from NALP's 2023 Annual Education Conference in Vancouver, BC. We will be returning back to our regular episode programming starting next week, but please enjoy these episodes. There's tons of great insights. Let's get back to our next guest. Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead, a podcast that challenges the notion that the law lags behind. I'm your host, Seagal Barnes. Each week, I invite a lawyer who's making powerful changes through extraordinary leadership. In each episode, we'll travel through another lawyer's life, identify what they do best, and then devise how to apply these concepts to your own world. So let's get to it. We have here with us Angie Vishayanan. Chief Operating Officer and IP Attorney at Creedon, a law firm that builds and protects great brands by providing experienced IP and business legal counsel. Angie helps the firm execute its mission and infuse its core values into every aspect of its operations, from internal policies and procedures to external communications and partnerships with clients and stakeholders. Outside of work, Angie fulfills her commitment to helping diverse and underrepresented individuals through her involvement in local bar associations and junior achievement. She currently serves as co-chair for the Lawyers Promoting Diversity Committee and Law Student Assistance Committee of the Dallas Association of Young Lawyers. Let's welcome our next lawyer who leads live at the conference right now. Angie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So let's get into it. Could you briefly describe to me how you got to your role today? Sure. It's not a straight path at all, a very winding road. I went to law school with the intention of becoming an IP lawyer only after having spent about a year and a half talking to a lot of lawyers, learning more about the legal profession, figuring out what type of law I wanted to practice because I went to law school in bad economic times. So you couldn't really just be a generalist and hope you were going to get a job on the other end. You really had to be more of a specialist. Went to law school, focused in IP, got out, practiced trademark and copyright law, first at a small boutique that actually was an offshoot from a much larger IP boutique. So it functioned a lot like big law, had big law caliber clients, but was just small in nature. So I was there for the first four and a half years of my practice in DC. Then I moved to big law, an AmLaw 100 firm in Dallas, Texas, and was there for two and a half years. I had already gotten this bug to find a way to launch a pre-law mentoring program to help replicate what one of my mentors had done for me while I was trying to learn what areas of law I was interested in. And so I had looked for mentoring programs, joined various bar mentoring programs, alumni mentoring programs, and I just couldn't find one at the pre-law level. So I really decided to just create one. So I left the law altogether to launch a startup that had a pre-law mentoring app and ran Leg Up Legal for four years. Amazing. And then while I was off in startup land enjoying being an entrepreneur, one of my mentees who was a practicing attorney um, was at a small firm and he was telling me that that firm was planning on growing and they really wanted to be intentional about their recruiting efforts, their professional development programs and their diversity, equity, and inclusion structures. And so he said, you know, my managing principal really wants to figure out a way 
to bring in somebody who is business-minded that just so happens to be an attorney to come and put some structure into place. And so he introduced me to the managing principal. We started talking and immediately we just saw a lot of alignment in our values and I realized what he's building is really not your traditional law firm. And I was intrigued. And originally, my thought was that I was going to help him craft a job description for this person and help him attract the right person to the firm. And, you know, he asked me to drop the job description. Then he asked me, how much should I pay this person? And I helped him do some industry research, determine what other people were making in similar roles, put that together for him, fully expecting that he was going to post this job description and find somebody. But instead, he sent me an offer letter. That is amazing. <laughs> and so I couldn't really say no because the position was literally crafted for me by me. <laughs> so, um, and really gave me an opportunity to use every single skill that I've built up to this point as an entrepreneur. My life before law school was also marketing and advertising. So I was working for an ad agency. I get to use some of those advertising skills and marketing skills in my role now. And then everything that I learned running basically a pre-law diversity mentoring program, I get to use that as well in my current role. So, um, and I also still do some trademark and copyright practice, surprisingly. So um, it's amazing because this role really is the first one I've ever had that I've been able to utilize all my skills at this level, so. That's an incredible story. I was like captivated the entire time and I love how you're able to bring all of the different things that you do together in this role while still practicing, which wow. Um, <laughs> but in addition to that, I love this idea of designing your own role. And even though at the time when you were designing it, you weren't realizing that you were designing a role just for you. Yeah. It's an incredible way to, like a, an incredible story for us to reflect on, on like how do we get closer to all designing our own roles by fully understanding what our skills and strengths are and then trying to put them on paper and find ways in which we can match up our career paths to those things. Yeah, I think being an entrepreneur really shined a light on what my strengths and skills were because you realize right away what you're missing. You realize, oh my gosh, I have to do it all and I'm not necessarily good at doing it all. So you learn how to find ways to bring people into your world that can do the things that you're not good at. And I think coming back to the attorney side now, even though I'm in an operations role, the fact that I'm still practicing a little bit helps me keep a pulse on what it really is for our attorneys in our firm and how do I really improve those conditions. And I realized very quickly, like, okay, yes, there are certain things that I am very, very good at. And then there's certain things that I'm not good at. As an entrepreneur, I didn't like being the visionary. I like being an executioner. So that's why I realized my strength is really kind of bringing to life a vision and executing it in, in broken down steps. And that's what I really told my managing principal, you know, this is what I can do for you is like, you are a visionary. I love the vision that you have for this firm. It sounds amazing. Let me help you bring it to life. And I think he realizes too, that he's more of a visionary. And that's why he was trying to bring somebody into the firm that does that. So we complement each other very well. And then we've just added another person to our management committee. So there's now three of us. And I think all three of us balance balance each other out and play off each other well. I think it's really important to understand, like, you don't want too much overlap. You know, 
if you're on a management committee, you don't want a bunch of overlap of people doing the same things. You know, there's too many competing voices and you yes. can't get things done. But as long as you, you know, balance each other out and, and have each person kind of tackle their own realm that's in their core strengths, then that's the best way to really make this work. Agreed 100%. And I think you've really shared an excellent formula for the chief operating officer CEO relationship. It's very important to have that visionary and then the person that executes on that vision and understanding the strengths of each person and how they can help the organization. So I love that story. And I think it's, it's, it's a really important thing for entrepreneurs to understand is to find that person that can execute on your vision. Very cool that you were on both sides and then understood what was best for you. Awesome. So let's get to why do you come to now? Yeah. So our firm is growing a lot and there's lots of things changing. We're trying out new systems. We're seeing what works for us. And I'm just here to really absorb all the best practices of what our peers are doing. It's been immensely helpful for me to connect with other people who have been in these roles where they've maybe grown grown a team from 30 people to 100 people and really learn from their advice and knowledge. So that's mostly why I came to figure out how to integrate all the attorneys that are currently at our firm and really attract more attorneys to our firm and make sure that we have good processes and procedures in place and a good structure for helping them grow when they get there. What would you say is your biggest takeaway from the conference? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I think my biggest takeaway, what I see everybody struggling with is just this changing role of the attorney and the changing working conditions that we're in. And I think the pandemic has really disrupted the way that we view work and the way that we relate to our workplace and more attorneys are wanting more freedom, but they still want to feel supported at the same time. And those things are sometimes in tension with each other. Yes. And I think everybody's trying to figure out exactly what is the right balance of how do I give them enough touch points to make them feel connected, engaged, involved but not smother them and make them feel like it's an oppressive system. That's a great insight. So based on all of your experience, what would you say leadership in law means to you? Just keeping a pulse on your people and understanding their needs. What I've seen is just that everybody has very different needs depending on the size of the firm, depending on what practice areas that they're in. Just understanding that not every solution works for every firm. And I think you just need to be very good about keeping in touch with your own people, listening to what they really feel like they need because there's all these ideas that you can apply from this conference and sometimes you're tempted to try to tackle it all but then sometimes that means nothing gets done exactly so I think it's really honing in on okay these are all the things I've learned but like what are my attorneys really telling me is top priority for them what is my management committee telling me is top priority for them and how do I really just focus and hone in on that there's a lot of power and momentum. So think about the things that you can do that can just give you a couple of quick wins. And I would break it down to, yeah, like, okay, I'm debriefing from everything I've learned at NELP. Here's something I can implement. One thing in the next 30 days, two things in the next 60 days, and three things in the next 90 days that I can really get done. You know, really be good about sharing that success out with the management committee and even your external stakeholders. You know, one 
one of the things that we've talked about is community building among our clients, service partners, and like our greater stakeholders at our firm. So the people who on the professional development side, recruiting side, you often feel like you're only getting interaction with the attorneys, but you're not really projecting to the world what you do. And so as much as you can take away from this conference and infuse that into your firm's communications, your newsletter that goes out to clients, whatever, showing them that we're investing in our talent, we're investing in our house and trying to support all of our people and anything that you can share out with your clients to say, this is something you might want to try. Be a thought leader to them. Exactly. If you're already here doing the work, sitting in that chair, learning all these things, what can you package up? Just three small bullet points in that newsletter to the client. You know, this is what's happening. This is the future of work. How, you know, can we help you be your partner in ushering you into that future? I love it. So one last question, and perhaps the most important in many ways, Mm -hmm. what do you do for self-care? Understanding where to set my boundaries. My role involves so many different hats, and we were very intentional in crafting my role to say that there's only a certain number of billable like work I'm going to do as an attorney as opposed to all of the operation stuff that I do. And I think this is the very first role I've ever had where I've had to really balance both of those things within the same organization. And so staying in constant communication with my management team about, okay, I am doing a significant amount of legal work this week. So that means the newsletter might not go out until next week. Right. And so it's just keeping those boundaries clear and being mindful that I I can't take on every project that I might even want to take on. It's just really balancing all of that and understanding like, okay, you know, there's only so many hours in a day and we really do believe in being a holistic person. We want the folks at our firm not working 60-hour weeks or, you know, even 50-hour weeks. And that means the management committee, we're all very intentional about making sure, okay, if we have to send out an email after 5 p.m., we're going to schedule it so it goes out at 9. Right. So that, you know, our attorneys don't feel like they have to be on email all night. Absolutely. It's so so important. And that leading by example is a really important part of it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Angie, for being on the show. If anyone wanted to reach out and connect with you, what's the best way they can do that? Oh, they can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on LinkedIn pretty frequently. And then you can also follow Creedon Legal. Um, We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and LinkedIn. So awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you, leaders and future leaders, for listening today. We have a new guest every week, so don't forget to join us next week. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe or follow us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also follow at Lawyers Who Lead on social. Let's celebrate and continue to build a community of leaders in law together. Lawyers Who Lead is made possible by Lawline, the leading online platform for lawyers who want engaging, relevant CLE and professional growth content. For over 20 years, Lawline has helped hundreds of thousands of attorneys level up by providing award-winning courses in hard-to-find areas and high-demand fields. They have so many courses to choose from that are actually really interesting to listen to and watch. That's why Lawline's rated the highest in the industry with over 1,000 verified reviews on Trustpilot. Lawyers who lead listeners get $100 off Lawline's unlimited annual subscription, which means you can take as many courses as you want for a really good price. Just visit lawline.com slash podcast to get the special offer. Check out Lawline for the best content for leaders and future leaders in legal.